from the visionary minds of the guys who brought you the hit series, Reboot, comes movies we were way too young to see. A podcast series that is exactly what it sounds And welcome to Movies We Were Way Too Young to See, a look at some of the most influential films we grew up watching, regardless of parental approval. I am your co-host Mowgli, and sitting next to me, the man, the myth, the mouth. Welcome back, guys. Tis the season. Spooktober. (laughs) Yes, that's right. We had so much fun last year, we figured we'd delve into more of the creepiest, spookiest, most blood-riddled horror films we were able to get our hands on at such a young age. And just like last year, we got a special guest to kick off Spooktober. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome longtime listener, longtime friend, owner of the Towley Towel, David the Doctor Senyosa. Hey everyone, thanks for having me here. And yes, that is my most... Prestigious accomplishment is being the owner of the Towley Towel. David, it's a pleasure to have you on here. Both me and Malf have known you for almost, what, two decades? Yeah. Damn. yeah. So, since, yeah. Since sixth grade. <laughs> since sixth grade. Yeah. Well, thanks for uh, including me in this. Um, yeah, man. It's an honor to be here. Cool, cool. Go ahead and tell the audience a little bit about yourself, David. Who are you? What do you do? I'm a, currently a PhD student in education, and I focus on virtual reality games for children. And I'm, and I'm studying education so I can eventually design VR games. Um, that's what I'm hoping to do for work after I'm out of school. I've been in school for way too long. Since we've known you. <laughs> Since, yeah, yeah. You've only been in school. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's for me to think about. I'll yeah. be a doctor eventually. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. Malv, you got some great origin stories with David, right? Dude, me and David go way back. I remember he was my main movie buddy. We would ditch Fridays to go see a brand new movie. Yeah, and we were hoodlums about it too. Like <laughs> we saw two movies for only paying one ticket. The between like the four trade, people, right? <laughs> like just keep running someone out to pass the ticket off. And I'm here to unpack some childhood trauma yes. talking about this movie, which apparently we all saw together. We did. Don't you remember? Let's get into it already, then. No, I did. I did too many drugs <laughs> to to access those core memories. Oh, David, David, David! But the trauma of the movie itself sticks with me to this day. I think it's time to open those childhood traumas, right? Well, without further ado, it's time to get into the movie we were way too young to see for the week. A film that once watched would kill you in seven days. Seven days. We're talking about the 2002 horror mystery, The Ring. Well, it's not movies we were way too young to see without revealing the age we were when we first saw The Ring. So, David, Malv, go ahead and let the audience know, how old were you when you first saw The Ring? Well, remind remind me again when exactly it came out? October 18th, 2002. Okay, so I just turned 12 a few (laughs) weeks Prior. Happy birthday! 
I think we were all 12. We were, we're 90s, all 12. We're 90s babies. Yeah, we were all 12. I remember during band class, some of the students were like, yeah, The Ring, it's super scary. And like, yeah, oh, you yeah. should watch it. The trailer, um, leave him alone. I had to change it. I turned out like, you know, the TV, I don't even like at night, especially at night when you just get like random ass commercials. And yeah. like, I didn't have cable at the time, you know? So it was like bombarded with ads all the time, like channel nine and 11, you know? Yeah. So seventh grade was definitely that transition period. You're, you're past sixth grade, but you're not an eighth grader. So it's like, not a girl, not yet a woman. <laughs> So watching it during Thanksgiving break, it was Malv, it was David, it was myself. We also had our friend Chuck and our friend Jose. There weren't too many people watching it. Uh, it had already come out for a couple weeks, so the theater was kind of to ourselves. And that last scene especially, when Samara comes out of that TV, I remember screaming inside the theater. I was, I was terrified. No, I was terrified. You guys know me. I'm a baby. Like, I don't like horror movies, really. And, like, back then, for sure, like, I was terrified and, like, what people wouldn't notice was she was glitching too, like her her skin and stuff. People don't re- really remember that, but like that was what I really remember. Like she was glitching and she like jump cuts to him. I think that to me is one of the hallmarks of a good scary movie is you're not just scared while you're watching it. It sticks with you afterwards. And for this movie, I would picture the girl wherever there were shadows mm-hmm. <laughs> around, like, you know, your your mind is filling it in the gaps with with like the images that were like psychic psychically burned into you. How did you guys feel one week after watching The Ring? Well, I didn't watch the cursed video, bro. But no, no, like <laughs> well, I made a copy, bro. <laughs> for me, like two days tops, two days tops. For that night of, for sure, for sure, I was deadly terrified. Like I had those big giant TVs, you know, like. uh those ones you needed two people to fucking move, like you know, yeah. maybe three. Those, those Just, big screens, yeah, those two, boxes. those two, yeah, straight up. So like, I remember walking in and I could see like the light reflection and like off of it. And I like it kind of scared me. Like, oh, someone there, you know? And it, it was just that creepy. Like, and it's like, God, come on now. I'm 12 years old. I'm <laughs> not a girl, not yet a woman. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like 12 was the perfect age for this, though. We were, we were, we were a really good age for this. David, what about you? Yeah, well, I had a similar experience, and I don't know about you guys, but I had a TV in my bedroom. So one of the genius parts about this movie is that it's using these everyday pieces of technology that everyone has as part of the the story, as part of the curse, right? Like, um, everyone has a TV in their home. Everyone's got a phone. I don't remember how long afterwards I was scared, but there was one night where um, I was probably one of the most scared I've ever been in my entire life, let alone from a movie. And uh, so, like I said, I had the TV in my room. It was late at night, and my TV had a loose uh, coaxial cable, and so it came loose sometimes. And then when it would come loose, it would go to static. And so, so, like, late at night, shortly after watching it, it does that. And then just this wave of, like, Fear comes over me. Terror. Absolute terror. And so, yeah, it was just like a fight or flight response. And I remember just running to my mom. And and I know, you know, 12 years old, like, not a girl, not yet a woman. I uh, 
asked her if I could spend the night yeah. in her bed, which I hadn't done in a long time, but I had to do a quick encore <laughs> for this because uh, well, it's the twentieth was... anniversary. Let it all out. Yeah, right? yeah. The unpacking, <laughs> unpacking the trauma. <laughs> but yeah, she kept me safe that night. And uh, thanks, Ama. Thanks, Ama. Love you. Well, let's go ahead and talk more about the film. Go ahead and read the log line to the audience. A journalist must investigate a mysterious videotape which seems to cause the death of anyone one week to the day after they view it. Seven days. It stars Naomi Watts as Rachel, Martin Henderson as Noah. As for Samara, we have Davi Chase. She was also Samantha Darko in Donnie Darko. She voiced Lilo in Lilo and Stitch and also Chihiro in Spirited Away. So, very impressive resume. Wanted to give her a shout out. Super creepy in this one. And can't forget Adam Brody <laughs> from OC fame. California. <laughs> yeah. He plays male team number one. My favorite male team. <laughs> <laughs> For the music, we have Hans Zimmer. Yeah, I thought that was insane, right? Like, you could already see that they were bringing quality to this remake. The film was directed by Gore Verbinski. If you're not familiar with him, he also did the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. And prior to that, he used to direct a lot of music videos, Bad Religion. So uh, I, I don't know if you saw it uh, in Noah's Locker. There's a couple of Bad Religion and Descendant stickers in there. So a little oh, no bit of way. an homage. Yeah. 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 The, the American Jesus video in particular was always a favorite of mine. It's interesting because it also has a grainy, like black and white feel to it. So, so I thought that was an interesting parallel. The film was written by Aaron Kruger. But before that, it was a 1998 Japanese film written by Hiroshi Takashaki, and before that, it was a novel written by Koji Suzuki. What were your thoughts on the Japanese version compared with the U.S. version? Which one scared you more? What can you take away? I'm just going to first say that, like, this is actually one of the first times where, like, a remake, an American remake off, like, a foreign film is, like, actually on par or just slightly better. But I would say, like, this is a complimentary. Like, if you like The Ring... I think you'll like the Ringu as well. If you like Ringu, you'll be like, oh, I like what they did with the ring here and there. Yeah, I have to agree with Moses there. I think that it only improves on the things that it takes from the original or, you know, or, or it still hits the same. And this is where the, I think the American version uh, surpasses the original in terms of its special effects. That final scene when she comes out of the TV that one was scary. That's Very the scary. legacy of the movie and the franchise, I feel, like yeah. that ending scene. Yes. You know? And those faces. Yeah, Rick Baker did that. So the girl, Kate, who dies at the beginning, when you first see that shocking face of, like, her mouth wide open and, like, the life taken out of her. Yeah. That's Rick Baker. That's actually, like, a stunt double in there. And that's, like, what they call a death mask, obviously. Mm -hmm. You know? Rich Baker was involved with There's so many, Ghostbusters. Like, go MIB. Um, what else did he do? He's uh, a legend. He's a legend. Just a legend in like prosthetics and uh, horror. Doctor, how are you feeling about these Japanese horror adaptations? I haven't seen any of them. Um, so Good to know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on. One yeah. out of five doctors don't watch movies. <laughs> I feel this is like the, the pinnacle, right? Like this is the granddaddy of them all, like of that era of the early 2000s, like you know, the ring I, was the pioneer of this. Oh, yeah. It was definitely like one of the first beginning ones. The, the one that just made the most money, you know, kind of like the grudge on and Juwan. How like I feel like horror always has that here and there because like when the Blair Witch Project came out, 
then like that was the thing everybody wanted to do in horror or try to remake that. If I were to just speculate too about what makes the ring stand out, it's um I think a little bit a little bit more participatory. It's not just a ghost story about some family that experiences something. It's uh, creating a world in which anyone can watch the tape and anyone, you know, who watches it will get cursed. Seven days. Why was Rachel the first one to try and break the curse? How many people had seen it before that? I would interpret that in uh, uh, the sense that she is a journalist and that she kind of had access to all these extra equipment, right? Um, which is something that they added in the U.S. version. Um, but, like, there's that special room uh, where she works. Yeah, at the, the AV room, right? The AV room, right. Uh, right, so she copies the tape. The ex-husband, Noah, he is an expert in this, right, in video technology. She tells him at one point, like, hey, stop nerding out on this. Um, and so I think that probably explains why um, she was, you know, the first one to break the curse in the American version. And um, I think it's an interesting departure from, or a change from the Japanese version because uh, something about American culture is very technocratic and that we trust experts, like people with like special training or special abilities. like People that are doctors. Do- yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or um, archaeologists, right? Indiana Jones, he's an archaeologist. Um, people in a lot of American stories have some kind of like special training or special position. And in the Japanese version, that takes a different form. Um, Malv and I were talking about one of the major changes um, from the Japanese to American, which is the fact that the husband character in the original in the Japanese version has ESP and so like that's his special ability and um we were talking about how that affects the story a little bit you want to go into that Malf? yeah I feel like it affects it a lot I wanted to see it more uh the ESP emphasized because you see it in Aiden in the American version the little boy like you hear him he's like he talks to somebody the girl you know I think Aiden Aiden seems like he's Aiden seems more weathered to me he seems like he's seen way more stuff He's been around the block. Yeah. I told you. Well, he knows how Step evil uncle. He, he knows how evil Samara is because, like, remember when Rachel was like, "I freed it. It's okay." And it's like, "What are you doing? You're not supposed to do that." He's gonna. She's gonna come back. That got me. Yeah. You're not supposed to do that. Is what he <laughs> his said. face. His face. Remember the way he delivers he it. He was, he was scared. Yeah. So, like, I compare that to Haley Joe Osment's "I See Dead People." Aiden. Aiden would work in like an insidious, huh? Insidious, or I'm even seeing Damien. He would be like, a modern. Yeah. Okay, like at, be, at, that, at that era. At that yeah. era. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to David Dorfman. We love it. With the ESP and stuff, it gives it more of a spiritual like story because remember, it's like more of a Japanese folklore over there. You know, they they took more of elements from that. And in this one, I feel like it is Hollywood a little bit like cookie cutter because like, yeah, she's a reporter. Whoa, that's a pretty good job to have when you're an investigator crazy tape, right? And like the only reason she knows about it is because her niece died. Remember, that's the kicker, and her essentially sister, I believe, or sister-in-law tells her, like, look into this. How did she die? Like, what is going on? And, again, I feel like that's where we get into, like, the bad horror tropes. Like, you guys are saying, like, conveniently being able to have the AV room, 
conveniently finding the lighthouse that was in the video, you know, like, C'est la vie. You, know, you know, like just it, sometimes it felt like they conveniently fell into like the, the clue where as Ringu did what uh, Ringu is like, it gave an excuse to ESP because the husband could see certain things, you know? So then they were trying to like, de- like, un- like clue that would help them um, figure some shit out, you know? But again, there were some kind of plot holes with that too. It made it differential, culturally different. I felt. There's a throwaway line in the Japanese version where the ESP dad um, speculates that the father, the original father of the girl, who is, uh, uh, her name is Sadako in the, in the Japanese version, that Sadako's father could have been a demon. Yeah, yeah. And that's something that wouldn't really fly, like ghost dad isn't really a thing that uh, I think would like reach American audiences. So I think a lot of the adaptations that they made were very on point in terms of making it just make more sense within the American cultural um, atmosphere. Yeah. That was it. What really. scene scared you the most, David? Um, the scene that scared me the most was probably the tape itself. The tape itself freaks me out. And the way that it's you know uh, presented in the movie, it's presented where the frame of the tape and the frame of the actual movie that you're watching are superimposed, so it's like, oh, I'm watching the tape, right? So it, like, puts you in that position. Yes, that that voyeuristic, kind of immersive feeling. And the tape itself is super creepy. It still creeped me out today watching it. Uh, all of the weird imagery, cryptic imagery. It's practically Lynchian with, like, the upside-down chair spinning and, like, yeah. the ladders and then all of the creepy, like, Why, thank you. bugs. <laughs> Uh, the creepy bugs and static before the tape starts, and then there's like this just eerie, like like crackling and kind of like feels like a portal to another dimension or something, right? For those of you who want to watch Ring Tape, it's available on YouTube, but it was also an Easter egg on the DVD. Uh, there was a little menu, secret menu. You look here, press down, and your cursor will disappear. You press enter. There it is. Yeah, those are the greatest about buying DVDs back then. And yeah, yeah, I do miss that from the DVDs, the amount of special features that they have. Um, David, you were mentioning technology earlier, and uh, I'm pulling up this 2003 Salon article called Decoding the Ring, and they also mention technology. Technologic. <laughs> Buy it, use it. <laughs> copy it. Copy it. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. Tape, that was good. Film it, tape it, copy it. <laughs> Upgrade it. <laughs> stream it, stream it. <laughs> well, anyways, going back to the Salon article, and I think the gentleman who wrote it, Bruce Stone, quote, The film's primary target, of course, is technology. Television is literally a weapon in the film. The idea is extended to include the media in general when Morgan compares a reporter's task to the transmission of sickness. Making something so familiar, so scary, it heightens... It heightens it because, like, we were scared after the fact, too, because these pieces of technology are around us all the time. There was the multiple layers of having the everyday versus the expert technology, too. So it's very, very technological film. And, and I think that the American version comments more on this aspect of TV playing this role in our lives where a lot of our time is centered around watching TV, watching stories. And then Samara was trying to reach people through that medium, right? That's um, why she wants people to copy the tapes. 
in the barn, her isolation chamber, right? Because uh, the dad, uh, Richard Morgan, wanted to keep her away from the mom. So she isol- he isolated her above the horses in the stable. And um, when the protagonist reached that um, room, they notice that there's a TV in that room. And they say, oh, this is what... You know, she's, they make a comment about that's just how she must have been spending her time. And so I think that is a commentary on how parenting is taking place in our modern era where a lot of the raising of children is done by the TV itself. By the phone now. Uh, I try to take a balanced approach to this because fear-mongering about TV and 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 the fears around its effect on our society have been around as long as TV has been around, right? This, is, this isn't a new discussion, um, but as our world becomes more media-rich, um, I don't necessarily think that you have to watch, quote-unquote, like educational TV to get something out of it. Like, for example, I, I watched a lot of uh, Comedy Central growing up, and you can learn a lot about culture in the world from watching stand-up. Ultimately, the television is a medium to deliver stories through. And the types of the stories that we get are visual, audio. They're, they're multi-layered, multimodal stories. And I think that um, it's not a question of, is it good to take in these kinds of stories? Is it good to subject, you know, to have kids take in these stories or not? I think it's a question of which stories you're actually getting from the TV. Balance, yeah. Yes, a balanced diet. Yes. <laughs> Doctor approved. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I actually want to ask you guys a question. To what extent do you feel like you were raised by TV? I spent a lot of time in front of the TV growing up. We're doing a movie podcast. We were also watching like Pulp Fiction. Yeah. And yeah. Like, hard, like hardcore Reservoir stuff. Reservoir Dogs. Library, man. They didn't even check my ID. Library, boys. <laughs> <laughs> That's where I got Ringu in the ring for this, too. Yeah. Stay on your, it. Support your local libraries. Feels like almost every generation since, like, the 60s on have been somewhat raised by TV because of the pop culture push of everything, you know? Modern day-wise, uh, Stranger Things, especially, like, the whole um, observation, like, the child under surveillance, and when she coughs up those, like, medical equipments. What are those called when you, when you put them on your heart? Doctor? Time's up. I should know this. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was the test here. I didn't know Malvin Mowgli tested. Right? <laughs> the stethoscope or something. I, I didn't We're not. certified. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, but anyways. It, it's, like, um, it's like a pad. Did we say this already? Would you have watched the tape? Would you have made a copy? Hell no. I wouldn't have watched that tape. <laughs> Dude, I was, I was scared. I, I, I was like very prone to fear and anxiety even at that age. That was like the hardest experience I had with being scared by a movie. I had never been sca- more I had never been more scared by a movie before or since. You know, I'm always terrified of those of films. Like horror films are not my bag at all. Like Chucky Child's Play, my aunt showed it to me once and I was terrified of Chucky for the longest. Like I didn't think I saw it till high school. Like that should just be traumatizing. But for the ring, I told you it was only like the one or two days. Like I saw a reflection or I thought I saw a reflection in the TV and it happened with me with the grudge. Like it was hard for me to take that first shower. Cause like, I, cause I thought like, you know, I know it's so fucking stupid, but you're like 12, 13. And you're like, nothing's going to come out of my fucking head, bro. I don't, I'm not even near no crazy, uh, Japanese like spirited boy. Like, and, but it's still, I had a fear of putting the shampoo, you know, like, 
But for me, I don't have everlasting fear of it. No. You know what I mean? Like, I just have, like, that, that initial, and then I'm like, I know what it is. And especially when it's a good story. You know, like yeah. this, The Exorcist, Rosemary's Baby, Nightmare on Elm Street, Insidious for me. Like, it's the story, too, and it makes you, like, think that, oh, shit, this is good. It doesn't matter that it's almost two hours. Like, you're involved with I these characters. I didn't know it was yeah. that long. Yeah, you're right. Um, one more thing, too. I want to mention we played a prank. I played a prank. We were watching The Ring tape on the internet, and I called his home. He picked up, and I went, Oh, my God. And he freaked out. <laughs> and I thought he, I thought he saw me because, like, I, he was, I thought he saw me. You were just, like, outside. <laughs> I was watching him freak out. Yeah. And uh, I was just laughing in hysteria. Uh, I, had to, I had to calm him down. But <laughs> Dave, we got you. Fuck, Dave, yeah. we got you. Trick or treat, everybody. That does feel like an appropriate ending to this episode, right? Doctor, Malv? Thank you, David, for coming through. You know, hope you guys love him. You know, let us know if you want him back or we get a new friend in here. Yeah, it was a pleasure to be here as well. Um, it was great to just, you know, talk about our childhoods and break stuff down. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, David. Those are very kind words. We hope to have you back. And that is going to do it for this week's episode of Movies We Were Way Too Young to See. We hope you had a blast listening. We always have a blast recording, especially this episode. This episode was sick. Yeah, this was fun, man. <laughs> it was fun. Questions, comments, anything like that, feel free to email us at malvinmogli at gmail.com. Subscribe to us wherever you listen to your podcasts. And one more thing, follow us on social media, will ya? At malv underscore n underscore mogli. David, before we leave, anything you want to tell the audience? You got any plugs? Yeah, so I stream online. Uh, I play games, but I also do discussions about anything from different educational topics to politics and just kind of hanging out. But yeah, you can catch my schedule for when I stream, wherever I stream, on my Twitter. So that's twitter.com slash D-J-S-A-N-O-S-A. Make sure you guys check that out. Thank you, David. Go ahead and check that stuff out. He's a great dude. He's already a great doctor. Yeah, maybe we can uh, watch some movies uh, on stream and uh, break down some more horror movies. Come, come by and uh, you know we'll, we'll we'll unpack some more trauma. Happy Spooktober, everyone. <laughs>